Thank you, Miss Cheryl. Thank you for all the good music today. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 this morning is where we're going to find ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Today is um, our final day in the Journey series. And um, today is a day that if you're visiting with us, um, I want to thank you for being here. Um, if you've been visiting our church for some time and you're wondering what is the heart of North Point Baptist Church and what, what's going to happen next, well, today's the day that you're going to find out. Um, you know, we've been on this journey now for this is the 14th week. And uh, the only impossible journey, if you look at this little sign over here, it says the only impossible journey is the one that you never begin. And uh, our title has been The Journey all this time. But there's an underscore to this journey where it says your adventure begins now. And today is the day that we make the decision of where our adventure or our journey is going to take us in the life of our church we, uh, we spend uh, basically the school year as, uh, from August till the middle of May with all of the events that take place in our church typically take place during that uh, window of time with the exception of our retreats that we go on and our missions trips. But our, everything leads up to those, which they will again as we get ready to go to Cape Verde and get ready to do all the other things that we're going to be doing during the summer. But the bulk of our ministry is done during the month of August till the middle of May. And here we are, uh, the, the, the Sunday prior to the first Sunday in September. And uh, as your pastor, I want to share with you um, about where we're at and where we're going. Because here's the truth. If you're not going anywhere, you're standing still. Right? Right? If we're not moving forward, then typically we're either standing still or we're moving backwards. And uh, what I'm excited about is that every single time that we enter into this place and we begin to, to worship the Lord, we see new faces and we see new people. And uh, we want to not be a church. We want to be a church with a purpose. Right? We want to be a church on a mission. And so you say, Pastor, how do we accomplish that? How do we do that? Well, this is what I want to do for the next few minutes. Is I want you, and I would never tell you to do this outside of this, but I want, to, I want you to separate yourselves out. I don't want you to be uh, necessarily a unit of a husband and wife this morning, of a child and a parent, of a teenager and a friend, uh, of a... Uh, of a mother and a daughter, or son uh, and a father. Today I want you to be an individual unit. Because by the time we get to the end of this message, I do not want us to make corporate decisions. I want us to make individual decisions. Um, there, there's the old acronym of TEAM. Together everyone accomplishes more. And that's what my goal is in this message. Today I'm going to preach to you the very last message. It's on the top of that uh, arrow key over there. It's called being an ambassador. 
being an ambassador. This time of the year as we approach all the things that are happening in the political world and in our government, we are beginning to hear about ambassadors a little bit more and how that they are appointed and, and, and what they do. Well, there is a verse within the Word of God that says, and we're going to read it in just a moment, that we as Christians are ambassadors for Christ. We are commissioned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can I tell you something this morning? That God did not save us, nor did He call us to be a Christian to sit on the sidelines. Let me say that again. I don't think that resonated. God did not save us to sit on the sidelines. I, 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 I've, I've told you that I played baseball when I was growing up, and I've told you before, the worst position in baseball is the bench. It's the worst position. I would rather play right field than play on the bench. I mean, I know I might not get much action out there, but at least I'm in the game, Right? And that is exactly the way that Christianity is. And let me tell you something. This is the honest truth. Until you get in the game, you do not know how exciting it is. Are you with me? I I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. And when we moved to Michigan, after God moved us around a little bit, there's a sport up there. And it's called hockey. Okay? And uh, let me tell you what I thought about hockey. I thought it was something that you flipped by whenever you were flipping through the sports channels. And I'm going to tell you why, because I didn't get it. You know, there was these guys running back and forth on these skates, and I can't skate, and they're chasing this little round puck. And then all of a sudden, an official would blow a whistle, and he would say, offsides. And I'm like, listen, this is not football. Uh, I don't understand this. I had a friend of mine that said, hey, hey, Lee, why don't you go to a game with us? And I thought, okay, I'll go. I don't get it, but I'll go. Maybe you can explain the rules to me. Four rows from the glass. I sat down. Now on TV, those guys don't look very big. And now I come to realize that football players are people that couldn't make it in hockey. Because the first time that that guy got hit up against that glass where I was sitting, I'm telling you, I jumped out of my seat and I was all in. I was all in. It was an exciting time to sit and watch this hockey game. Can I tell you something? That is exactly the journey that God has put every single Christian on. Christianity is is not confined to Sunday morning when we come to church. Christianity is not uh, uh, something that we have accepted as Jesus and then it's just something that we have in our heart and in our life and we take it with us until we die. No, being a Christian means that we are a true ambassador of Jesus Christ. Let me explain that to you and then I'll call us to make some decisions this morning. An ambassador represents his leader in a foreign land. Christ has given us the privilege of representing him here on the earth. He has given us privileged access to him, a powerful defense against the attacks of our adversary, and the ability to accomplish what? Our assignment. The ability to accomplish our assignment. What has God called me to do? If you have your Bibles, if you'll stand with me in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And we're going to read verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 20. 
Here's what it said. Well, you know what? Let's back up for a minute. Let, let's look at verse 17. Let's look at verse 17 first, and then we'll look at verse number 20. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. We all, probably a lot of us, have heard that verse a thousand times in church, that we are new creatures in Christ. So yes, we are. But then God says, you are that new creation in Christ. But can I tell you something? That you have a job. It is an immediate context that you have something that you should do. Verse number 20. Now then, those that are new creations in Christ. Now then, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Excuse me. Be ye reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. Let's say our prayer. Father, we love you. I pray that you're blessed the few moments that we have together. Lord, may we understand and seek you in everything that we do. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to just lay a foundation for you, and and, uh, then we're going to get to our last point. It's not going to take us long to get there, uh, where I really want to talk to you um, as a pastor and, and as someone who is a member of this church and someone who desires to serve in this church alongside of you. And uh, this morning, I, I don't want you to feel like uh, that I am uh, forcing you to do anything. I don't want you to feel like that I am guilting you into anything because I'm going to tell you as a pastor, there is never in my life that I want to uh, uh, be the pastor that guilts anyone to doing anything. What I want them to do is I want them to realize that the joy of the Lord is their strength and that they want to serve God. That's my goal. And uh, today I want us to to bring ourselves, because I think so many times we, we, we uh, preach messages and, and, and we stir people, but we don't uh, give them a resolve, we just stir them. Listen, uh, I pray that over the past 14 weeks that you've been stirred in different ways as we've taken this journey, and now I want to give you a resolve and how you can take that stirring and use it for his glory. If you're in the habit of taking notes, on the back of your bulletin there's an outline. Number one, the ambassador's access. The ambassador's access. Remember that we are ambassadors. So all of this relates and pertains to us. So number one, the ambassador's access. Uh, By representing his leader and his country, an ambassador has privileges that most people do not. Uh, There is a list, and and, and for the sake of time this morning, I, I cut this portion of the sermon out, but there is a list of things that ambassadors do, they, uh, uh, they have uh, immunity in many different ways as an ambassador on behalf of their country. And as it is, so it is with us. First of all, we have authorized access. We have authorized access. We have been given complete access to God. Are you with me? We have been given complete access to God. I do not have to go through anyone to get to God. I have complete access to him. I am an authorized agent of Jesus Christ. 
The ambassador has high priority access to information and people because he is authorized. He has been especially chosen and appointed by the leader of the country to take on that responsibility. And, uh, you know, it's, it's true. They, they, have, they have significance. They have importance because they've been given that responsibility. The concept so accurately applies to us as God's ambassadors. We have been chosen and appointed by our leader to represent him here. Are you with me? I, we have been chosen and we have been appointed to represent Jesus Christ here on earth. We are, please excuse the expression that I'm about to use, but this is the, the, the clearest way I know how to say it to you. We are uh, uh, Jesus Christ representatives in the flesh. My job as a Christian is to represent Jesus Christ and to represent him well. Right? You think about where your work at. And uh, all the things that you do while you're at your job. Especially if you have a, a position of leadership within your company. Your job is to represent your company well to customers. So that they become a part of your company. And pay your company to do whatever it is that you do. You are to represent them well. If you represent them poorly, you might not have a job very long. You have to represent. Listen. As Christians, we have been chosen. This is, uh, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, the Bible says. I, I just, it blows my mind that God has chosen me. I tell people all the time, I'm surprised anybody comes back and hears me speak twice. I'm honest with you. Because, and it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with that God has chosen me. You ready? Look around you. God has chosen you. He's chosen you to represent him here. John 20, 21. I love this. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my father has sent me, so send I you. As my father has sent me as an ambassador, so send I you. As authorized representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are commissioned to carry his message to the people of this world. The Apostle Paul spoke of the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed, here it is, to my trust. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 11. Three times in Romans, twice in Romans and once in 2 Timothy, Paul spoke of the gospel as being my gospel. It was a personal thing to him. He realized the importance of being an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was committed to the message of God in a very personal way and shared that message with all who crossed his path. He was an ambassador. Letter B, we have available access. We have available. Not only is our access authorized, but our access is available. What does that mean, pastor? An ambassador also has privileged access to his leader. His own king or president. At almost any time, the ambassador can request a meeting with his leader and he will receive high priority. You're getting ahead of me. I can see your wheels turning. You're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, if I'm an ambassador, then I have priority to my king. 
right? Because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It is a blessed truth that we always have access to our king as well. We never have to set up an appointment or wait in line, amen? We never get a busy signal and we never have to leave a voicemail, right? It is direct access at any moment that I need to talk to him. When my phone rings at 3 o'clock in the morning because someone's got a problem, I can begin to get dressed and put my clothes on. And do you know what? God is awake. And he's listening. If I get a call at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and I get in my car and I drive to wherever I'm needed, do you know at that very moment that I'm calling on God, the person that just got off on the phone with me is calling on God, and neither one of us got a busy signal. That's who God is. We have uh, access to him 24 hours a day, seven days a week at all times. Hebrews chapter 4, this is a great, great verse. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without what? Look at verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have access to him. We have constant access to the throne of God's grace. The Lord has authorized us for his work and he is always available to give us what we need to carry out his mission. Some of you are going to center my voice in a few minutes and you're going to say, Pastor, I'm not qualified to do that. Pastor, I don't have the ability to do that. Pastor, I don't know if, if I have the time to do that. You're, 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 you're asking a lot of, listen, I want to remind you of something this morning that I believe with all my heart. Number one, I believe that God has moved me in such a way to bring you a message like this. And number two, I believe that God has called all of us to do something. Are you with me? God, God has called all of us to do something. So if God has called all of us to do something, then, then no matter what we think of ourselves, he is greater than that. I'm going to tell you something. There was, there was a, a moment in my life, especially when I was a teenager, that if you'd have met me then, you'd have been thinking, man, he'll never be a pastor. And I would tell you, you're right. To think that I would stand up and, and, and preach and then, uh, and that's just a byproduct and a reward of being a pastor, which, which I believe with all my heart, you, you don't build uh, churches by preaching, you build churches with people, with a relationship. And to have that relationship with people and, and to walk through the valleys with them and walk on the mountaintops with them, I never thought that I could do it. And then God reminded me, you're right, Lee, you can't do it, but I can do it through you. And when we look at things that God has uh, beckoned us to do and called us to do, and you'd say, there's no way that I can do it. I would say that you are right. But I would also say that God, who gives us the power and indwells us, will give you the power to do whatever he has asked or called of you to do. He will. Number two, this one's not any fun, but I have to tell you that there is an adversary, the ambassador's adversary. We've talked about this a little bit over the last few weeks and on Wednesday nights. There is an adversary to the ambassador. 
It's not always easy to live in a foreign country for an extended length of time. Adversaries in the form of struggles come, such as learning a language or adapting to the food and to the culture. There are adversaries for an ambassador. An ambassador has to be able to adjust to all of these while still maintaining his loyalty to and his identification with his native country. He goes to the foreign country and becomes an ambassador for such as like the United States. And while he's over to wherever he's at, he has to accustom his life to their culture, to their way of eating and life. But yet he still has to remain loyal to his country. You say, what does that mean? Well, even in hostile countries, the ambassador has determined adversaries, people who are opposed to his mission... He may even live under the real possibility of assassination. There may be possibilities that that literally within his own lifespan that he could be giving his life for his country. Can I tell you something? That we live in the world, but we do not have to be of the world. We live in the world, but we do not have to be of the world. We are ambassadors for Christ here on this earth. Listen, I love the old hymn, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Right? This world is not my home, I am not living for here. But while I'm here, I have to adapt to the culture and adapt to the nature and adapt to everything that's happening in my life. But I have to remember something, that my loyalty and my country is heaven. It's Jesus Christ. And I'm not working for this world. I'm working for the next destination, which is heaven. An ambassador for Christ. As ambassador for Christ, we have a powerful adversary as well. Uh, uh, Letter A, the adversary's attack. The adversary's attack. He will attack us. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil is compared to a roaring lion, literally a man-eater looking for his prey. And he wants to devour us. But if we belong to Christ, he cannot get to us. He cannot get to our souls. But he can seek to ruin our lives and effectiveness for the Lord. There is one thing that the enemy is so good at, and that is stealing the joy of Christians. Are you with me? He loves to steal the joy of Christians because being a Christian is a joyful thing. It's an exciting thing. And the enemy tries to get in and steal our joy. You know why? Because he knows the same verse that you do. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And if he can remove the joy, he will make you weak. What we have to do as Christians is we have to remember that he is just an adversary. And he's trying to ruin our lives. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. One of the adversary's greatest goals is for us to conform to this world. By blending in with the world, we lose the distinction maintained by a true follower of Christ. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do people identify you as a Christian? Do they know that you are someone who is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? They should see a difference in us. We should have a distinction. Our first duty as an ambassador of Christ is to seek the lost and communicate Christ's offer of salvation to them. We must stay on task, you see it, and not get distracted from our purpose. We must stay on task and not get distracted. Let her be the ambassador's defense. 
the ambassador's defense. What kind of defense mechanisms do I have, Pastor, against this enemy? Can we fight so powerful an enemy as Satan? What is our defense against conforming to this world? How can we maintain a holy life for the Lord? Romans chapter number 12 gives us the answer. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. A true sacrifice to God. That not only are we supposed to be a living sacrifice, we're supposed to be a holy. We're supposed to be acceptable unto God. Which is our, and I love this Greek word, reasonable service. Did you see it? Which is our reasonable service. Or in other words, it's like this. This is the minimum. Do you see it? To present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. That is the minimum requirement as a Christian. And then he goes on in verse number two and he says this. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect. What's the next word? Will of God. Look at me. I want everybody to look at me. You that are looking at me have a will of God for your life. You do. Your will of God is not, and and please don't walk away mad at me and don't turn me off. But your will of God is not to cushion your bank account. Your will of God is not to see how high in the ranks I can get. Your will of God is not to see how popular I can become. The will of God for our life is something that God institutes into us. And he institutes it into us to be this. To be a servant. To be a servant. When we think about servants, we think about the lowliest maybe of people. A a servant. How could I possibly be a servant? Well, I don't know, but maybe you should ask Jesus when the Bible says that he took on the form of a servant. Right? He took on the form of a servant and became in the likeness of men. Why? So that he could go to the cross and die for you and me. And why is it that it's so difficult that that we have such a difficult time serving God when he gave his life for us? You say, Pastor, well, I don't think about it like that. Well, can I tell you something? There's going to come a day and time in our lives when we're all going to have to think about it like that. Because that's what he did for us. He did it for us, not so, please, again, please don't get mad at me, not so that we can attain the American dream, but so that we can attain the heavenly dream. (laughs) It's all about laying up our treasures in heaven. Now, certainly, I don't want you to go out and quit your job, all right? Don't do that. I want you to say, well, Pastor Lee said, all we got to do is just quit and trust the Lord. I didn't say that. As the Bible says, he's given us a sound mind, Amen. However, what I do want to tell you is that we need to prioritize. We need to prioritize. Everyone in this building that's looking at me gets the same 24 hours a day. We all get the, seven, the same seven days in a week. And I love you. I want you to know that. But it bothers me when people tell me, Pastor, I just don't have time. Pastor, I I don't have time to serve the Lord. 
Pastor, I don't want to make that sacrifice uh, because it may, it may impede something else. I'm going to tell you something, church. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to be able to tell the Lord, I just didn't have time. I just didn't have time, Lord. I'm not going to be able to tell him that. You say, Pastor, this is hard. I know. But I want you to see it. I didn't write it. The word of God did. And be not conformed to this world. The world has changed over time. We used to live in a world that was very laid back. It was very little house on the prairie, right? We used to live in that world. We don't live in that world anymore. Then we lived in a world where we thought it was a little bit fast paced. Things began to pick up. A McDonald's was birthed with fast food. And now our world has conformed so much that now we can play ball games on Sunday. We can go do these activities in place of serving God. And then in return, we can say, I'm sorry, I just don't have time. I want to remind you once again, we all have the same amount of time. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your what? Can I tell you what that means? Even back in Paul's day, what that meant? That meant they had been brainwashed. They had been brainwashed into thinking one way. And this is the only way. And Jesus says, no, transform by renewing your mind. In other words, by hitting the reset button. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice means surrendering our wills to his will. We give up the ownership and the uh, directorship of our lives to him. This is our reasonable service. We give it all up and we say, God, you are in control of my life. You are in control of everything that I do. Number three, the ambassador's assignment. This is where I'm going to get very practical with you. The ambassador's assignment. So, Pastor, you've told us that we are ambassadors. You've told us that we have uh, an assignment. You've told us that we have an adversary. And I tell you today that God has commissioned all of us to do something for him. And let me share it with you. Our duty is to represent God here in this world. But our mission is to fulfill the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? Matthew chapter 28. Here it is. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Look what it says. And I want to break this verse down to you because we use this verse all the time in missions conferences and we only apply it to worldwide missions or we apply it to people that are going to places here in in the United States that it's hard to get uh, 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 people assimilated into church. But there's something that goes great and a whole lot further than that. Look what it says. Go ye therefore, what's the next word? And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teach them to do all things. 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. That mission that has just been summed up, we love to pick out that word nation. Can I remind you of something? That you live in a nation. You live in a country, you live in a state, you live in a city, and you attend a church. If that's the case, then that means that God has called all of us to these verses. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have. What's the next word? Commanded. If you take those two Greek words, when it talks about the will of God and it talks about commanded you, you correlate them together. This is what you find out. That God's command is his will. God's command is his will for our lives. Whatever God tells us to do, whatever God commands us to do as we seek the will of God is exactly what we are supposed to do. Many people will tell me, Pastor, I don't know what the will of God is. And I believe with all my heart that everybody, that the will of God is not like an Easter egg hunt, that everybody has to go find it. I believe the will of God is outlined and it's just a matter of whether or not we accept it and like it or not. And we have to say, you know what, I'm going to do the will of God or I'm not. Don't come tell me I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Because if we're seeking it, God will reveal it. And then if you don't like it, that's what the problem is. God has called us all to do something. Letter A, go therefore. Go therefore. What do you mean, Pastor? Go therefore and just like Nike, just do it. I don't know how to be any more level with you than that. You know, God's called me to do something, so what am I going to do? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to tell you something. And, and I mean this with all my heart. And I know I say stuff like this all the time, and you're just thinking, you've lost it, and you're not, you don't really mean that. I, I'm going to tell you something. And you can ask any of my family. You can call Florida. You can call New Jersey. You can call Tampa. Uh, you, you, you can call anybody. You can call Arizona, where my wife's family lives. You can call any of them. This is what they'll tell you. This right here, what I'm doing right now, is my dream. This is my dream. Standing in this pulpit in Carrollton, Georgia, even though I didn't know the city at the time was my, what was my dream, now I do. This is my dream. Someone asked me at camp, what, what is your goal in life? You want to tell you what my goal is? My goal in life is to pastor long enough that I marry those young people to their spouses and then I have the opportunity to marry their children when they get old enough to be married. That's my goal. My goal is not to build the biggest church. My goal is not to be the most worldwide known. My goal is exactly what I'm doing right now, which is my dream, which is investing in people's lives. And you know what I have to do every morning when I get up? I have to look at myself and look at the Lord and I have to, and the Lord has to remind me, Lee, just go there for it. Just go there for it. I, I, I've told you what to do. I, I, I've equipped you to do it and I'm going to continue equipping you to do it through, through the paths of life. And even though you don't know how it's all going to be accomplished, I'm going to equip you every single path of the way or every single uh, journey. All you have to do is trust me. 
So this is what I say to you this morning. As you think about what God wants you to do, go there for Go there for I don't want you to think about your secular job. I don't, want to think, I don't want you to think about your family responsibilities, even though all of those are very, very vitally important. What I want you to think about is what has God told you to go there for? What has God told you, did you see it? To go there for. Did you see it? He's called us all to do it. So go there for, and let me fill the blank in for you, him. Go there for him. Let's look at it together. Uh, Notice the word therefore in Matthew 28, 19. Why did Christ instruct us to go into all the world with the gospel? Because he has all the power in verse number 18. He has promised to personally accompany us, verse 20. Again, we see that we are authorized by the Lord to fulfill our mission. Go! We are commanded to go to all the nations. Some may have been called uh, personally to foreign land. Those are our missionaries. We support uh, many missionaries here at our church. And and I'm excited that we have a wonderful missions program. And we tell them, go therefore. Go out to those nations that God has called you to. Others may be called to go to various places in their own home country. They may be pastors. They may be assistants. They may be church planners. They may be evangelists. They may be school teachers. They may be lay people. There are so many that are called. But some are called to stay right where they are and be faithful. Always, what does it say? Abounding in the work of the Lord. Everyone needs to participate in some way. Now it's time for me to really just talk to you. This won't take long, I promise. We have some great needs in our church. And we need people to fill those needs. I'm not asking you to go to Africa. Or I'm not asking you to go to another state. I'm not asking you to leave the comfort of your home. I'm asking you to become an investor in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, I pay my tithe. That's one part of the investment. You understand that? Pastor, I've done my time. No, if you can still hear me, there's still time. Right? Are you with me? We we get caught up with how much that we have served. And we say, well, I've served long enough. I, I looked up that word always in the Greek, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know that verse? I looked it up because I thought maybe it said until I reached a certain age. Or I thought it meant if I had served the Lord for so many years, then I no longer have to always. But I found out something. It's the same in the English as it is the Greek. It's always, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I am never done with the work of the Lord. I'm not qualified, Pastor. What makes you qualified? I'm not qualified. I'm going to tell you that right now to stand in this pulpit. I'm not qualified. You know who qualifies me? God. And the last time I checked, God created all of you so you're all qualified. Right? Christianity and church are not spectator sports. We are to be busy doing the work of the ministry. Now what's about to happen is going to be a little bit different. And if you're visiting with us, you're welcome to look over what I'm about to share. 
But this is for our church family. There are men scattered throughout this room, and I'm going to ask them if they will go ahead. And they have a sheet of paper. I want every single person in this room to get a piece of paper. I don't want it to be one per family. I, don't want, I want it to be every single person gets a piece of paper. I didn't give these to you ahead of time on purpose because I did not want them to be a distraction. But we're going to go over every single line item, and I promise you it will not take us long. I promise I'm almost done. But today I think it's time that we are moved to a decision in our lives. Today, as you read over this, you are going to make a decision. You're either going to make a decision that I don't have time or I can't do it or I'm not qualified or whatever your, your thought process is. You're going to either make that decision or you're going to make the decision that today it's time for me to serve. It's time for me to get involved. Now, many of you in this room are serving and I want you to know that I, above anybody, thank you for what you're doing in our church. And I don't want you to take this piece of paper as a way out of your service. Amen. What I want you to do, though, is I, I want today to be a commitment of a reaffirmation that, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I know God has called me to do, and I'm going to continue doing it. At the very top of this piece of paper, I hope everybody's got one now, it says a commitment to serve at North Point Baptist Church. And I'm going to just tell you, our church, um, in the two years that I've been here, um, and I'm, I, this is not about me. Please don't, don't think what, the things I'm about to tell you is about me because it has absolutely nothing, <laughs> nothing to do with me. But in two years, our church has doubled. Okay? Yeah, that, and that's a huge blessing. In two years, as you know, if you've been a part of this church, we have had to deal with administrative things. And we've had to focus on those administrative things. I'm going to tell you something. I'm done. I'm done with administration. I'm ready to do the work of the ministry. That's what I'm ready for. And I believe our church is ready for that. I believe we no longer have to get hung up on the paperwork. Even though the paperwork is important and I'm not going to neglect it, so don't think that. But at the same time, we can take our focus off of uh, trying to allow our church to survive to allow our church to thrive. Let me say that again. Stop uh, 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 allowing our church to just survive and now allow our church to thrive. And when I say thrive, I mean thrive spiritually. Spiritually. Are you with me? All right. We can no longer allow 10% of our people to do 90% of the work. I believe in 100% participation. You say, Pastor, do you think that we can achieve that at North Point Baptist Church? Absolutely, I believe that. I believe it with all my heart. Here's what has to happen. We just have to say, I'm an ambassador of Christ, and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. So what is it that God's called me to do? Number one. We're starting at the number one on your paper. The nursery. Do you realize this morning as you sit in this wonderful service and you've heard the wonderful music and the singing and I pray have been challenged by the word of God. There is a building over there called the B building and it's hopping this morning, let me tell you. 
There's crying. Because we miss our moms and dads. There's somebody that's just fallen off of a ladder in the, in the, in the uh, playroom and they've got a hurt knee. There's somebody that just needs to be rocked in a rocker somewhere. There's somebody that just needs someone to get on the floor and play some Legos or something with them. There's the nursery. Oh, pastor, I can never work in the nursery. No way I could do that. Well, let me ask you a question. Why? Why? You see, we have nursery on Sunday mornings and we have nursery on Wednesday nights so that our children not are babysat, but so that they are encouraged and loved on by the people of God. That's why we do it. Right? We also have special services like Easter and like uh, Back to Church Sunday or Veterans Day. And let me tell you, the leadership in the nursery, they're scrambling for workers because everybody wants to be in church. Now, don't get me wrong. I want all of you to be in church. I love preaching to a full congregation. I do. But can I tell you something? Sometimes we have to take our selfishness and put it aside so that we can serve. And if we had enough people, and we do in this room, that would jump on board and start helping. Listen, you would only have to maybe be in the nursery once every two or three months. And my nursery workers would be shouting and having a heart attack all at the same time. There we go, see? We have nursery needs. Number two, our three and four-year-olds. Our three and four-year-old group has grown a lot. We'll just say that way. A lot, okay? And uh, they are the ones that are a little bit, they just a little bit hyper, just a little bit, you know? I know you give them Kool-Aid and Coke before they come to church. I get it. They like to have a good time. But can I tell you something right now? We have about three workers that work full-time back there. And they rotate some. And sometimes they're not in church for a month. I'm going to tell you something about this pastor. I want you to listen to me, and I say this with kindness. But I'm not going to allow any worker to get burnt out. We will bring the threes and fours-year-olds, and we'll sit them right next to you. (laughs) And you can love on them through church just like our workers do. We'll have fun. We need help. And by the way, if enough people get involved, you wouldn't have to help very often. Just taking a little sacrifice. We need some help on Sunday mornings and our Sunday school hour. We're building our college and career ministry. And right now, our college-age students are the ones that are taking care of that. And they would like to be able, and I'm talking every single week they're doing it. And now that we have a Sunday school for them and ministries for them, they would like to be able to go to their classes. We have Sunday morning while we're in here. We have Wednesday nights with our Word of Life program. It's growing, it's growing, it's growing. You say, Pastor, that's not a bad problem. It's not. But as we grow, we have to serve. Our children's ministry, Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings, Again, we have Sunday school for them. And again, these teachers teach every single week without a break. And then they go from there and they go into our A building where they're all at right now. 
and we have different people that are on rotations, but sometimes those people are having to take double rotations in there because we don't have enough help. Did you see your children up here singing? They're not just going there to be entertained. They're learning. And we need to deepen their learning. And that comes with consistency. That comes with people that are serving. Wednesday evenings, we have Word of Life over there. And the children are coming. And we need to be able to invest in them. We need help. Number four, our youth ministry. Our youth ministry is growing, especially on Wednesday nights. We're excited about all that God is doing in there. And God is providing workers into our youth ministry, which I'm thrilled about. But you know, there's other places that you could serve in our youth ministry. You know, our youth would not be upset if they came in on Wednesday nights and there was a bunch of brownies that they could eat. Amen, Pastor Parker? Yeah. Um, They wouldn't be upset if there was a treat every once in a while that they could have that was... Hand brought by you by, through love. Our teenagers, by the way, they need to be loved on. They need to be cared for. Our youth ministry. Our college and career ministry. We just began last week. We had 17 last Sunday night. And uh, I don't know any ministry that you start with 17 in college and career. I'm just telling you. It just doesn't happen. I'm expecting that to continue to grow. We need leadership in there. We need people that, that will lead that group. Right now, myself and Pastor Parker are, are doing that as a, as a team. And we have other people that are interested in helping. But we need somebody to step in and be a leader. There's nothing more or no way that's easier to get to a college student than through their stomach. Bringing food. I watched last Sunday night, and, and, and I'm not saying this to embarrass anybody. I'm not. But I watched last Sunday night as we got ready to leave. And these college students that are living in dorms and in other places and not at home. Packing the food into the to-go boxes saying, we don't get food like this. And taking it home with them. That's a ministry, did you know? We need support for our college and career ministry. Our adult Sunday school. Whether you know it or not, we have Sunday school at 9.15 on Sunday mornings. We do. And uh, we would like for you to come and join us. It's a wonderful time to get connected. You say, Pastor, why do you have Sunday school in there? Because you have teachers. Yeah, we do. But I'd like to expand it. I'd like to start some more classes. I would like to, to, to grow the classes that we have for everyone to be involved in them. We need people that will step up and say, I'll do that. Our worship ministry, our choir. I was thankful this morning as I looked at our choir and they're trying to squeeze up there around the big banner. I'm thankful for that. Our praise team, our special music, our instrumentals. Pastor Parker does such a great job with our music. But I can tell you he always needs one more. He always needs someone to step in and help. Our technical team, we don't talk a lot about this, but do you know that that, uh, it takes somebody to push a button It takes somebody to move the slides. It takes people to do that. And you realize that right now in our ministry, if one of these guys decided to go on vacation, we might be in trouble. Because there's no backup. Our lights and our staging, we're beginning to do more things with our stage. And we need people that have the ability to to catch a vision and build things and do things with our stage. It's our technical team. Our cleaning ministry. 
This is a huge part of our ministry. We save $10,000 a year by having a cleaning ministry. We need people consistently that will tie into a team. These are huge facilities around here. Huge. And if everyone just did a little bit, it could be accomplished in a quick way. We need help in our cleaning ministry. Our prayer ministry, you probably looked at that and thought, what is that? This is a brand new ministry that's about to begin. You're about to hear a lot, a lot about it. We have a burden that as new people are coming to our church and even us that are here, that we have two or three people on Sunday mornings during our services that are calling upon the Lord and beckoning and crying out to him during our services with a prayer ministry. We're going to put a a box at the front table or the welcome center where you can come in on Sunday mornings and put your prayer request and it'll be completely confidential. You don't even have to put your name on it if you don't desire. Put them in that box and then as you walk into church and you sit down and the music begins to start, you'll know that there's somebody that's praying for you and praying for that request during our services. It's our prayer ministry. We need teams for that. We need a leader for each of the teams. We're excited about what God can do because I know this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Availeth much. Number 11, our mad team. If you're new to us, you don't know what that means. Jude, Jude chapter 22, or verse 22 says, And some having compassion, making a difference. Um, this is what we do with each section in our church. When you hear me say a member of our team is going to come and hand you a visitor card. We need more team members scattered throughout our church to help us, one leader per section, and then volunteers. I have a flexible schedule. You can call on me anytime because there's always things to do around the church. This is your moment right now to say, where is it that I'm going to serve? Or maybe God has asked me to begin a new ministry, and I would love to talk to you about that. Can I ask you, are you willing to make a commitment of being an ambassador for Christ as he has equipped you and commissioned you? So what do we have to do? We have to go, therefore, and we have to go preach. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? I'm not called to preach. You may not be called to do what I do, but you're called to do something. Don't put those papers away because I want you to listen to me. In just a moment, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to close our eyes. I don't, this is not something that I want you to just walk away with and say, well, I have my paper, I'm good. No. We've taken this journey for 14 weeks. It's time to make a decision. It's time to say, I'm going to do what God's called me to do or I'm not, don't think I am going to. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have everybody in the middle of church come forward. We're not doing any of that because that's not who I am and you know that. This is what's going to happen. We're going to pray. I want you to pray about what God would have you to do. We're going to give our invitation. We're going to give our announcements as we always do and we're going to sing our last song. Right over here to my right... The only impossible journey is the one you never begin. Your adventure begins now. What I'm going to ask you to do is when we say our final prayer, I'm going to ask you to take that piece of paper, fold it in half, and just come set it up here. 
If you don't come up here, you're not embarrassed. And I, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. This is not me guilting you or begging you or any of that. This is God. All I can tell you is that I need your help. That's all I can tell you. And it's however you decide to respond. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you for listening so well.